This week on the Pro Wrestling Podcast, Podcast. We break down all the crazy shakeups over at Discovery Warner Media and how that might affect AEW. Brian Danielson almost punched the Miz in the face on Talking Smack. Logan Paul recounts his SummerSlam experience. And who would win in a fight between Stephanie McMahon and Tony Khan? Depends how much coke's involved. I'm your host Seth Grimes, and this is the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. Fuck is up, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to another edition of the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. I am your host, Seb Grimes, and the weeks just keep moving on here in professional wrestling. Another week goes by, another week's worth of pro wrestling podcasts and interviews to get into. I'm on episode 47 of this podcast, I think. 47, right? It's getting very close to 50. I've never done 50 of anything in my life, so I'm pretty pumped about that. On our way to 50 episodes, thank you for listening. Thank you for hanging out with me and enjoying the show. A bit of a different week this week. You know, the last couple weeks have been very Vince McMahon heavy and Triple H heavy. And not just the story of Vince McMahon retiring and the scandals before that, but then Triple H taking over creative the co-CEOs, and just all the fallout around it. Everybody else has their opinions, right? Like every wrestling podcast, you know, including my own for the last couple of weeks, has been all about people reacting, people talking about Vince McMahon and the new shakeups in WWE with the Triple H taking over creative, the co-CEOs, all of that stuff. And rightfully so. I mean, it's the biggest news story in the history of wrestling, I would venture to say. Uh, certainly in our lifetime, you know, there's few others that compare. You know, there was, you know, WCW being bought by the WWE, uh, the formation of AEW, another you know national TV mainstream brand that can be in the same conversation with WWE, but definitely the Vince McMahon thing is kind of just eating up everybody's eating up the zeitgeist in professional wrestling, if you will. Um, so this week's a little bit different. Everybody's kind of taking a break from it. Everybody's just kind of talking about other shit, so I'm excited to get into some other shit, and it's going to be fun to talk about. Uh, One thing that I wanted to talk about right off the bat here is our top story. Major shakeups over at Discovery, Warner Media. Everybody's talking about it on the internet, how this is going to affect AEW. Are they on the chopping block? All kinds of crazy cuts going on over there. I certainly have my opinions about it, but before we get into my thoughts, I want you to check out this clip of Dave Meltzer giving his thoughts. The uh, WBD news, which has been, if you're an AEW fan, um, the last two days, uh, not good news at all. I mean, they are, I mean, we knew that they were going to do slashing of the budgets, but it really feels like uh, TNT is you know the whatever it is that the prestige programming the TNT had that that's going to be out the window and they're they're I just have this feeling aside from the NBA that TNT is just going to be another station um you know on cable as opposed to a and TBS which were like kind of cable powerhouses and and it looks like they just want to slash things to the you know and CNN too for that matter they're slashing everything HBO Max um is I guess they're going to merge it, but a lot of the empl- a lot of the executives at HBO Max are going to be gone. A lot of the budget for makes HBO Max is probably going to be down. It does not, you know, they're really trying to to cut a lot, a lot of money. All right, so I see a lot of stuff online about this, you know, and I, I always love to browse through the comments on different posts and stories and kind of read what everybody has to say. What's going on in the 
the chatter about the about this kind of stuff amongst the fans. Uh, and it seems that a lot of people are under the impression that AEW could be on the chopping block here. As uh, if you haven't heard, there's all kinds of crazy shakeups going on over at Discovery, Warner Media, of course. Uh, that was a merger that happened earlier this year. And a man by the name of David Zasloff has taken over as the top dog, the CEO, the boss man, the Vince McMahon. Without the dick sucking and all that kind of stuff. The Vince McMahon of Discovery and Warner Media is now this man by the name of David Zaslov. And uh, Zaslov is a man with a plan. Uh, he's come into this company with his balls on the table. And he is very clear about the vision that he has for the company and where he sees things going for Discovery Warner. And as you've heard, you know, there's lots of shit already being cut. Uh, now he's starting to make his moves, right? And then he just did a uh, call for, uh, like, shareholders and that kind of stuff and kind of went over his plans in detail as well. Um, so, you know, there was a Batgirl movie that was done. It was in the can. It was in post-production, you know, still VFX and editing or whatever. But it was done. It was filmed. It was slated to come out. He chopped that shit, threw it in the trash, done with it, getting rid of it. Um, he got rid of the Scoob. There was a Scoob sequel, uh, a couple other things. He's cutting a lot of the uh, employees over at HBO Max, the streaming service. People are starting to become under the impression that HBO Max is failing. That's not the case. Uh, the plan is to actually merge Discovery Plus, which pretty sure nobody subscribes to and everything that's on that with HBO Max. So a lot of those positions within the company, within the streaming department specifically are, are redundant. You know, we don't need two of the same guy, uh, you know, one from the Warner side and one from the Discovery side doing the same job. And of course, because Discovery is the parent company that bought Warner Media guess what? <laughs> the, it's the Warner people that have to go. So about 70% of those people are going to be packing their bags if they haven't already. And uh, most likely there's more cuts to come, both corporately within the company itself and in, in the structure. And, uh, you know, something that AEW needs to consider is that it's going to affect some of the shows and some of the, the products that are on the TV as of right now. So here's kind of, I'm going to, I'm going to be a little bit all over the place on this cause there's a lot to cover, but I'm going to try to give it to you first with just the things that AEW needs to worry about. And then the things that are working in AEW's favor. And then I'll kind of give my final thoughts on this. Cause like I said, this just, I nerd out over this shit stuff gets me all horny and stuff. So, um, blue chew, no blue chew needed. Just give me some nerdy shit and just corporate corporations and the structure and who's buying what, you know, like Disney owning like star Wars and Marvel and Pixar. I love that shit. Um, so here's the situation that we find ourselves in. The bad things that AEW is going to need to worry about here is that this man, David Zaslov, is a man on a mission. This is a man with a vision, and he's not afraid to throw his balls on the table, like I said, and just make the hard decisions. This dude scrapped an entire movie. This movie cost them, Batgirl cost them about $70 million total from, you know, the production and VFX and all that to paying the actors that are in it. All of that stuff, about $70 million and however long it took and all of the crew and assets going into that. He scrapped it. It's gone. He's not even going to sell it to like Netflix or, or something like that. He's not going to uh, put it on the shelf to be just content on their network in a couple of years. Nothing. It's going away. He's throwing it away. It's done because he has a vision. This man is a boss in a company that desperately needs a boss. Um, we'll say that for, you know, Warner Media and everything that they had going on. Uh, they were very unorganized. 
And this man's coming in with the idea to completely gut and restructure everything in his own vision. So how this could affect AEW is in a couple ways. Uh, the person that is in charge of television over for Warner Media currently may not keep that job. Now, I don't know for sure. Um, I couldn't really tell you, you know, if he's on the chopping block or what they're going to do with that. But I do know that uh, there's already been put in place one person for the scripted dramas and, and, and the kind of like TV shows and, and that kind of stuff. Right. So HBO, for example, wasn't that uh, they had like uh, the Sopranos. Right. So he would be like the guy that's in charge of Sopranos type shows. There will be uh, another guy that's going to be put in charge of the non-scripted shows, which is where AEW would fall into place for. And uh, so if this guy, or and it's going to be condensed to a singular vision, so there won't be this guy doing this and this guy's going to do that, there will be one person heading up that whole department, and he's going to report directly to Zaslav, the boss man. And if anybody in that chain of Zaslav wakes up one day, just like Vince, gets a hair up his ass, wants to throw away the Ross script, this Zaslav guy uh, has already proven that he can wake up one day and be like, you know what? Fuck AEW. I don't want it. It doesn't fit what I'm going for anymore. Let's get rid of it. So I think that's really honestly that's the biggest concern for AEW right now that they're just going to fall into the same trap that WCW did which is that the network didn't see it fitting what they wanted to do with the network going forward and that was ultimately what happened to WCW but there were other things that went into it for example they owned WCW and they were the ones pissing away money on it you know it was a money loser for them it wasn't making them anything and the ratings were steadily declining and all of that shit so um that's kind of what happened there and that is a possibility that that could happen again you know you look at Rampage for example and it's slipping you, even Dynamites has trouble getting to that one million still. Uh, it'll get there and then it'll fall under. It'll get there a little over and then it'll be a little under. So it has not stamped, uh, you know, one million as its as its bottom number yet, and that's uh, could be conceived as a problem. And certainly with Rampage, the ratings are just taking a giant shit. And to be fair, it doesn't seem like they're putting much effort into Rampage at all. Uh, I'll, I'll say it like this. Um, you know, those who have listened to my channel for a little bit might know that I was recently at the Blood and Guts show in Detroit. Well, Rampage and the Battle of the Belts is in my home city of Grand Rapids tonight as I record this. I should be there now. Um, but it wasn't worth the $30 for the nosebleed ticket plus service fees. And then you got to drive there and pay for parking and shit. So easily would have cost me 50 bucks to go there, you know? Um, but I don't got the single bucks, the, the, the 50 bucks as a single dad here to, to piss away on a show. That's just going to be mad. And I almost feel bad not supporting AEW if they're in my hometown, but the card is not that impressive because they're not putting much effort into it, you know. Uh, so those are the problems that AEW's got to worry about. You know, they got to worry about Zaslav waking up one day and not liking wrestling for his way he sees wrestling go or sees his network going forward. Or uh, they need to worry about their ratings continue to decline and they're not worth the hassle anymore. So those are the potential problems that they could run into right now. On the flip side, and I think there's a little bit more to chew on here on, on the flip side, is that, um, first of all, Zaslov's plan is, he's got a very specific plan. One of the things that he wants to do is he wants to grow the network. He's going to put a lot of emphasis on this new network that's going to be Discovery merged with HBO Max. It's going to have a new name. It's not going to be HBO Max. It's not going to be Discovery Plus. It's going to be something brand new. Um, and uh, one of the things he's very, he, he wants to structure his, 
He wants to structure his departments with one figurehead on top of each department. And he's looking at it from the perspective of scripted, non-scripted, and then like the movie studios and that kind of thing. Um, the scrapping Batgirl was because Bat, he, it was a bullshit movie. <laughs> he watched it. He didn't like it. He thought it was trash. And what they're going to do... Uh, with DC, they're going to make a big focus on DC as a product, you know. So they're going to try to get in the MCU game, if you will. And not not necessarily copy the MCU. I don't even know that they're going to do an interconnected universe or try to do that. But what they are going to do is they're going to find their own Kevin Feige, the one guy in charge of all of it, to oversee for the next 10 years. And they're going to take that as a major brand. DC is its own studio. Like now Marvel Studios is under Disney. DC is its own property. And they're going to go hard on the superhero genre in one direction. Not 50 different characters in 50 different directions. They're going to focus on their movies. They're going to make an effort to not just rush movies out. Just to, you know, oh, we need a holiday movie. Or, you know... Um, Let's jump on the latest trend or anything like that. They are going to focus on putting out great movies and they're going to put them out in the theater and they're going to have a full theatrical run before they go to their network. You know, it was something that HBO uh, got in big trouble for, or kind of got a lot of criticism for in the movie industry because they, d- during the COVID era, they put every single movie that they released would have been in the theaters on their streaming service right off the bat. And that was. A big hit for them. So why is all this important? Because he's streamlining and he's creating these departments. So we got our movie studio. So there's going to be Warner Brothers. There's going to be the DC. And I think I can't remember off the top of my head what they're... uh, I think it's New Line. I think they got New Line Cinema as well. And that's going to be more of their like, uh, you know, where they can put their more edgy stuff out on movies. And uh, they're going to have their television department and they're going to have their network department and they're going to have someone in charge of scripted and non-scripted. So the reason with all the DC stuff and all of that, because part of that is they want to make fandoms a priority. Uh, That's something that was specifically mentioned in the call. Um, It's on like their little... um, They put a little PowerPoint presentation together. They want to focus on fandoms. And that's not going to be just like DC and comic books, right? Because that's not the only fandom that they have. Uh, They also have the rights to the Harry Potter series. So there's a huge fandom there. But they really want to be a home of fandoms. That They specifically use that word, fandoms. Um, they want that to live on the network. Well, guess what AEW has? A giant, rabid fan base. You know, are they pulling the same ratings as Raw? No. Are they struggling to get over a hundred or over a million on, you know, to watch live? Yes. Um, but they have a very rabid fan base that goes to their shows. They're loud. They're vocal. They interact on the, on the, uh, you know, online and stuff like that. There, there's lots of social media interaction, lots of YouTube's getting watched, all of that stuff, and that is a fandom. Uh, another thing where I mentioned scripted and unscripted. This David Zasloff fella is going to be pulling the reins back on the scripted programming. So, like I said, your series, you know, like a Sopranos, for example. I know that's an old reference, but I honestly couldn't tell you any kind of major series that they put out anytime soon. Um, But they're going to pull back on that. Not to say that they're not going to do it, but they're going to do it more limited. And and it seems like the idea is they're going to focus on, they're going to make, they're going to condense. They're not just going to pump out a bunch of shit. They're going to make sure that what they make what they put out as a product is going to be a solid product and they're going to put all of their money and all of their efforts behind it. And one of the things they want to use with, uh, with their TV programming and stuff is be able to integrate 
like their movies when those come out and do a lot of the co-branding stuff like that similar to like we saw with shark week this week you know discovery shark week or not this week a couple weeks ago you saw uh how that was integrated to help promote cross promote synergy if you will over on on dynamite uh dynamite aew is a great product to help promote and cross promote other products for discovery um they have the crazy fandom and they fall into this category of unscripted which is where they're going to put more of a focus into zaslav being from discovery discovery was more of the unscripted stuff than the scripted they're merging the two now but unscripted is cheaper and it gets just as much ratings. So it's a no-brainer to, you know, to, to do a little bit more of the unscripted. And that's not just reality shows, but that's also going to be um, any kind of uh, documentary. Or that's going to be something like a professional wrestling or game shows fall into that category. Uh, you know, anything that doesn't have, it's not a scripted produced thing where you got to build sets and you got to do VFX and, you, you know, it's not a stranger things. It's a, it's a, you know, it's just easier. <laughs> so AEW is going to fall into that category. It's not even, it's not scripted. And even if it was WWE, how they script the promos, it still would be non-scripted. It's not a show show. Um, it's kind of in between a reality show and sports sports are going to be another big focus uh which also fall into non-scripted sports are part of the non-scripted programming as well so with zaslav specifically focusing on fandoms focusing on unscripted and that last big focus was the network it's going to put a lot of work into the network what does AEW have to go with its fandom? A huge back catalog of content. Not just the three years of AEW, but now they own the entire Ring of Honor catalog. And what, Now that they're invested in that, they are going to be around to be able to scoop up some other catalogs when those opportunities pop up. So it's not going to be just WWE. And I had talked about this before. WWE is losing kind of the, the, the content that, you know, a lot of, they got the WCW and they got the ECW and they got all the old territory stuff. Um, but half their roster came up through ring of honor at this point. And they don't it, ring of honor or NXT, you know, but they have, they don't not having the Ring of Honor catalog almost puts them behind. They almost like they're almost they're not as current with the uh, catalog wrestling catalog back catalog as AEW might be with theirs. Um, but either way, you know that's gonna be certainly a huge draw for you know if you're a Zaslav and you want you want to focus on fandoms, you want to focus on unscripted because it's cheaper and easier to produce. And you want, uh, you know, a nice catalog of content to help build your network. AEW, man. And uh, with all of that going for them, they also have, you know, the executives were there. We've heard reports. Uh, they've been to at least a couple shows now. And if they haven't cut AEW yet, and I don't know if they can contractually, but, uh, you know, at least from Tony Khan, and he could just, this could just all be bullshit too, but he seems to feel like he's building a new, a good relationship with the new network executives. And, you know, they, if they're going to visit an AEW show, I've been to two AEW shows now. The fan base is insane. So there is no way that they went to any of these shows and didn't see how crazy and wild and exciting and fun that an AEW show can be. Not only that, but their production value is right up there with WWE's. You know, they have all the cameras, they have all the lighting, they have all the staging, the pyro. So, you know, there's nothing that the, and they have a healthy locker room. So there's absolutely nothing that the executives would have seen 
that would turn them off other than like the violence, right? Uh, you know, anytime there's ultra violence on AEW that worries me a little bit. I don't want to see these guys get kicked off of TV. Um, and that could be the hair that Zaslav grows up his ass where he decides he wants to cut AEW. But uh, for the reasons that I just mentioned, my final thoughts on this before we move on to the next topic is this. He wants fandom. He wants to build a good catalog of, of go-to, feel-good, comfort food content for his network. He wants to prioritize non-scripted because it's cheaper and easier to produce. And on top of all of that, AEW gets the highest ratings on the network, on all of TV on the night that it's on. Even though it can't hit a million, it still gets the top ratings in its time slot. Uh, at the very least in its demographic, but usually it's it's pulling the number one spot overall, too. So Rampage, not so much. That's something they got to consider. But I, there's just nothing other than Zaslav just not liking it or AEW getting too out of control with the violence or their ratings just slip into dog shit. I don't see any reason why... Discovery or Time Warner would cut AEW out. They are not on a war path just scrapping everything and starting from scratch. They have a very direct plan on what they want to do, how they want their network to run, what kind of content they want on their network, and there's been zero indication that AEW is something that they wouldn't want. And in fact, everything that he has described from his own mouth of where he wants to take the network and the things he wants to do with the brand overall, I feel like AEW fits right in like a glove. So I think they're going to be just fine. And as a matter of fact, I'll even go farther to say is that I think they're going to get a bigger TV deal than they have now once uh, you know 2024 comes up when those deals are, are ready to be reviewed again. And here's why. Because live TV is dying. And these networks want that content that's going to get them the number one spot on TV every week or almost every week or at least in the demographic. AEW's cheap as fuck still compared to a scripted show. Are you kidding me? AEW is so cheap. And I, I just see so many of these people on the internet who think they know, you know, they get a little bit of information. Oh, Dis Discovery's cutting all kinds of people. AEW better be worried. I think they just don't have a fucking clue. They hear things. They hear other people talk about things like Melcher's clip earlier or something. And then they, they just take that and they think they know, oh, oh AEW, they haven't... They just there's no educated thought behind it. Now, am I an expert? No. Could Zaslav wake up one day and get a hair up his ass and say, I just don't like wrestling. Fuck it. Let's get rid of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I just, you know, when you analyze it with all that information given and you really take a good look at it, there's just nothing to worry about here. And in fact, I think they're going to be really great partners for AEW. Uh, they might have more input. There seems to be like there's going to be more oversight, more micromanaging to a certain extent. I don't think they're going to start telling them what to book, but certainly if they have a problem with some of the violence, I think they won't be scared to speak up about that and things like that. So this is going to be fun to see. Uh, I could be completely wrong, and AEW could be in a lot of trouble right now. In 2024, they could be looking for a new home and end up going the way of TNA. But I just don't see it. I think it's people are just making a whole lot of lot of something out of nothing is what they're doing. This is probably going to be a good thing for AEW in the long run because this guy knows what he wants and he has a plan. And AEW fits right in with that plan. The American Dragon, Brian Danielson, was on the Sessions podcast with Renee Paquette this week. Brian and Paquette go way back, all the way back to uh, their days co-hosting Talking Smack together over on WWE. And uh, obviously the biggest highlight, I don't think I did cover this one, but the biggest highlight of the entire show, one that will be remembered for years to come was the infamous edition of Talking Smack 
where The Miz confronted Brian Danielson and called him a coward to his face. And uh, this got ugly really quick and got heated really quick. And uh, according to Brian Danielson, he was this close to hitting The Miz. Check out this clip. We don't need to like harp on this, but what is like your recollection of that show in that moment when that was all going down with you and Mike? Miz was very frustrated. He was intercontinental champion and wasn't being on TV much. I was very frustrated that they weren't clearing me to wrestle despite numerous doctors having cleared me to wrestle. And, and you know, I understand why, but that's a long story anyway. So just oh, getting we'll get to the to point of, of my frustration. So we came up with this thing and the original plan that Mike and I had come up with was I was going to fucking deck him. We wanted to get under each other's skin so much that it was plausible that I would legit be angry enough to punch him. And so that was the intent. And the idea was either they're going to fire me or it's going to make people want to see the match so much that they're going to have to clear me to wrestle. But then Mike did such a great job. Intuitively, I felt it was better to walk off. Interesting. And, like, and, and leave him, because it was also like, God, this is so good. Leave him with his heat. That was one of the greatest moments. Not just, uh, that was definitely the best moment in talking smack history. Um, but this could be one of the top, I don't know, not 10, but at least 20, 25 moments in WWE history in the last 10 years. I'll give you, I'll bet you anything because people still remember to this day, and it wasn't even on TV. It was on their fucking, it was on YouTube, right? Um, or maybe they, I don't remember. On the network? Was it on the network? I don't fucking know. But talking smack, it wasn't even like something that was seen by the, the worldwide audience, you know? It was a smaller viewership, but everybody talks about this episode where The Miz and Brian Danielson got into it. Uh, You know, and it was Danielson accusing The Miz of playing it safe and, you know, uh, not really being a real wrestler because he he goes out there and he just, you know, uh, paints by numbers, so to speak. And I'm not repeating his words, but kind of just generalizing, uh, you know, what he had to say to The Miz. You know, he was kind of criticizing that Miz is a play it safe wrestler and almost kind of just plays wrestler, you know, and... uh, Miz took that to heart because Miz has worked very, very hard. And uh, he takes pride in actually being a guy that has stayed safe and rather injury-free for his almost his entire career. And Miz has took a lot of shit throughout his entire career. He's still, to this day, there are people that think of him as the real world guy. To this day. He was on Real World for like three years. He's been in WWE for over ten, right? But still, to this day, he gets no respect like Rodney Dangerfield. Um, Miz has my respect, but he certainly isn't like a wrestler's wrestler. He is the epitome of a sports entertainer, and he's done it at the highest level for a great many of years. He has main evented WrestleMania. He has been a WWE champion, as much as many of you would like to have forgotten that. And uh, I feel like he's earned every bit of it. He's not a wrestler's wrestler. He's not the best wrestler ever. But he works hard as the WWE guy. He does all the media stuff. He's all, he's He's there for whatever they need him to do. He's always ready. He's always in shape. He's never injured. He, um, you know, he's an ideal candidate for a company like a WWE. The reality show, you know, he does it all. Uh, Brian Danielson is a wrestler's wrestler. He is the, you know, when you think of like a wrestler, you think of Brian Danielson, you know, um, there are, I guess there are some people that will look at his WWE career and then the yes, 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 and see sports entertainer, but Danielson and Ring of Honor and certainly back again now in AEW, he just beats the shit out of people and he gets in fights and, and really gritty wrestling matches every time he wrestles. And he's 
To me, uh, I do think he's he's you know he's the greatest wrestler in the world right now. He's what Bret Hart was back in the '90s to me. You know, Bret Hart was the first time I ever recognized work right. You know, it was, it was always just entertainment and colorful characters and loud noises and big moves and stuff. Up until uh, I reached a certain age and watched Bret Hart in the ring and his technical masterpiece. Uh, you know, every, everything he did was so crisp and so, uh, it just looked so like it was snug, but it was clean. I don't know. But Brian Danielson to this day, every time I watch him work, you know, it's like the epitome of what a wrestling move, you know, all of his moves are executed perfectly. You know, he's, he's very technical, very smooth in the way that he's able to do everything. Um, and he was at a point on talking smack where, he was pissed off because he wanted to wrestle. He's been cleared by many, many doctors, but he wasn't cleared by WWE's doctors. And uh, he was pissed about that, had a chip on his shoulder, and he was actually looking to get fired. And he, the plan was to punch the Miz in the face. You know, they had talked about this going into it. Uh, they didn't like plan it out blow for blow, but they kind of planned to get into an altercation that ended in Danielson hitting the Miz to where they would need to either fire him or force him to uh, force themselves into a position where they had to book the match between the Miz and Danielson. We never got that, and that's fucking depressing to say the least because they really built that up and he was ready to get fired but he felt in that moment that it just didn't feel right you know the plan was to Miz was trying to make Danielson hit him he was waiting for it and it never came because Danielson thought that it had a more of effect on the Miz if he could keep his heat so there were very real Words being thrown around in that, very real emotions, very real thoughts, and it felt like it was getting so close to a real fight, a real fist fight. I've never seen The Miz look that angry. I've never seen Danielson look that angry. You know, both men were, you know, they were intense. That was an intense moment. Poor Renee was sitting there just scared because she didn't know what was going on and didn't know how to react or what to do about it. I uh, made for great TV, and it's one of the most memorable moments in the modern era of professional wrestling. Certainly, uh, I, I I just don't think anybody can argue that. You know, that's something that'll I think ten years from now will still be remembered as as a moment. And uh, it you know all's well that ends well. I guess Danielson's back wrestling now. The Miz is still on top of his game, working with huge celebrities. And, uh, you know, both men, it worked out. But I really would have loved to see that match. Um, but certainly, if you have not seen that segment from Talking Smack, it should be on YouTube. And uh, I'll try to link it down in the description if you're watching the clip or on one of the end cards here or something like that. But enough of that. On to the next. Logan Paul was talking about his SummerSlam experience on his podcast, Impulsive, this week. Logan was hanging out on the show, sitting around, shooting the shit with his buddies, talking about the wrestling event this past weekend, and Logan got into some of the details on his thoughts about his SummerSlam experience. Check out this clip. I'm amused by watching me do the WWE. I cannot believe it's me. Do you understand <laughs> Bro, what I'm saying? I can't believe it. And I watched it live. Dog, I'm, but I'm me. And when I watch it, I go, oh, that guy, that guy. That guy's doing pretty good. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I black out during it. I just focus on just like the mood. I go on some, I mean, everyone says it, right? There's like the, the, the game time performer and then the person and vastly different. So when I watch, I, I, I don't did know. Did you I'm black out? Back. Not, not black out. Well, sort of, honestly. Like, did it go like this? And you're like, what the fuck? How did I do all that? Like hundred yeah. percent. I go back in the locker room and, and, and that, that, you know, 30 minutes of my life is just gone. And then I look at the replays with my jaw drop. Uh, <laughs> and, and I have to give a, a thank you to so many people because yesterday, SummerSlam 2022 in Nashville to a 50,000 person uh, a Nissan Stadium was incredible. These are moments that I will remember for the rest of my life. But 
I thought Logan Paul did great at SummerSlam. You know, there's going to be him being green. There's going to be things that he's going to need to work on, but the athleticism is there. There's no doubt about that. He can physically do the in-ring stuff, and he can do it at a high level. And he has the psychology down to a certain extent. That's going to take a lot. It's going to take years of work. He'll never fully be there, you know. There will always be holes in his psychology game. But he's also, you know, he's got the facials and the selling and the reactions. And, you know, now it's just going to come down to pacing and psychology. And those are only things that he's going to get over time and experience and working with a lot of greats. Um, As far as we're aware, his whole feud with The Miz is done by now. It'll be interesting to see who he ends up working with going forward as he, he is signed for multiple matches. I had this take before for uh, back in the past on a previous episode talking about Logan Paul. Uh, I think it was for after his WrestleMania match where I feel like if Paul really does want to do this more full-time, uh, he'll never be full-time because he's got other shit that he does, you know. He's quite the entrepreneur. He's got a lot of other things going on. Um, But he wants to... He's very serious about wrestling. He takes it serious. He he has a love for it. He grew up on it. He enjoys doing it. And he wants... He sees himself as that mogul. He's inspired by The Rock. So he sees... He wants to follow that path of... I do this, and I do that, and I do that, and I do this. He's a YouTuber, podcaster. He's got his fucking little fruit juice brand that he's got going on, his vitamin water or whatever the fuck he's got. And he's got professional wrestling, amongst other things that they're doing. Um, So the man, you know, has a plan for himself, and wrestling's a part of it. And I think, you know, even though he might not be a full-time performer... I think we'll see him around for years and years to come. I don't see he's not just doing it for the money or for the spotlight or you know, he he really does love this and as long as it fits in and, and Triple H really seems to get him and get what he's doing and you know, there seems to be, you know, a, a, a very strategic reason for having a Logan Paul involved in WWE because of who he is outside of WWE. And the spotlight that br- that brings in. And when you get a celebrity like Logan Paul, even Bad Bunny to a certain extent, because he did great as well and he shows that he has the love for the business. But Logan Paul, I think, is more physically imposing, obviously, than a Bad Bunny. And, uh, you know, he fought Floyd Mayweather, so he's he's got that going for him. Like, physically, he, he can hang. And... He's as long as he loves it and respects it, and as long as you know the fans are reacting well to him, and he keeps learning and growing, and WWE is willing to use him on a part-time basis, you know he's not coming in once or twice a year. I see this guy doing like at, at the very least a Goldberg schedule, if not a Brock Lesnar schedule. And, you know he's all for maybe not a Brock because Brock does show up to a lot of the TVs, but Logan's gonna be around. And I really think, uh, as I was going to say, I had this take that I really think if Logan's around for a while, he could be a Hall of Fame level performer. I really, really, really believe that. Now, his just little bit of involvement right now, I don't think is going to get him into the Hall of Fame. Of course, that's complete bullshit because Drew Carey's in the Hall of Fame from doing a fucking Royal Rumble appearance. So, by those standards, he would get at least a celebrity wing inductee, but... I think Logan can be an all-time great, and I know that's gonna people are gonna balk at that, scoff at that, gonna say that that's a horrible take. But hey, it's my take, and it's my fucking show. And I just I've been around long enough, I've seen enough of this wrestling stuff here to know that what it what uh, either a guy has it or they don't have it to start with, and then it. It's able to recognize the passion for it in them when they talk about it, when they do it. Logan loves wrestling, and he's dedicated to it. He's not half-assing it. And it's important to him to, to not only be able to hang and do it well, but to impress and win over the, 
WWE universe, the fans, you know, he's conscious of that. And he wants, he sees himself as a baby face, which he's not and, and probably never will be. Um, but so far, I mean, he got cheered against The Miz, but I mean, how hard is that really, you know, to make The, the Miz the guy that gets booed in the, you know, um, fuck. Logan Paul is going to do a lot of great things as long as he sticks around, and I really, truly believe that, and it'll be fun to see him going forward. I'm excited for his career. Speaking of Logan Paul, Triple H, the game, was on the Impulsive podcast this week, and uh, he sat down with Logan and his homeboys and did a long-form interview, you know, the full almost hour of the show. Stephanie McMahon was in the building. She wasn't on the, you know, on the set or part of the interview, but they did camera pan the camera to her a couple times sitting off to the side watching it, along with Nick Khan. Apparently, Nick Khan was there, too. And uh, interesting to see how invested. You know, we have the CEOs and we have the head of creative and talent relations all there to see Logan's show. And, of course, they could just have been there, you know, to show their support for Triple H. But I think they were there just as much to uh, hang out with Logan, invest in Logan Paul as... You know, not just a performer, but, you know, to, to support what he does outside of it and get a better idea and better feel for what he's doing outside of wrestling. And I always love it's the same thing with Pat McAfee's show, right? It's always interesting to see rest, guys that are in wrestling and like when McAfee had Vince on, it's like, okay, Vince is your boss over there at WWE, but now Vince is on your show. So Vince ain't your boss on this show. So it's interesting to see that dynamic. And same thing with Impulsive, right? Like Triple H and Steph and Nick Khan are all there, but this is Logan's show and Logan's conversation. And him and Triple H had a good conversation. And and Logan, in this clip here, Logan had brought up how that he feels, you know, everybody's a big Attitude Era mark, right? And he talks about how when he liked wrestling, it was edgier and people were going hard on each other and that kind of stuff, more hardcore stuff, and that he thinks that something like that would be a big draw to bring people back into wrestling. And uh, he was talking with Triple H about that, and here's what Triple H had to say about that whole thing. Check out this clip. Uh, lore of, of professional wrestling is the hardcore nature of it, right? Like, you got guys in there who don't give a fuck, right? They're showmen. They'll put their bodies on the line. They'll, you know, hit people with objects and yeah. go crazy. But, you know, now you do have to work around those parameters a little bit more. You, you do, but, like, I often think that, so a lot of times that stuff is overblown. It's the story, mm. right? Like, if you watch a movie, and I always equate what we do to movies, right? If, to me, if you watch a movie and it's just a slasher film, it's fun. Mm. But it's not going to stick with you forever. It's just mm. blood and guts and it's slashing and it, everything's just like the who can do the more violent kill or the crazier kill or whatever that is, right? And what's the most ridiculous way somebody can die, die in this movie and have their guts come out and an eye pop out of their head or whatever that is, right? It's not, it doesn't stick with you. It's not memorable. It's the stories. Even in that era, we did a lot of crazy stuff that was mind-blowing and was shock television. But the reason it lasted was be not because of the shock television. That's maybe what made you go, what was that? But what kept you there was the emotion and the storytelling. I think they're both right in different ways. Um, Triple H is right that it is about the stories. And I think that's something we're seeing with AEW currently because I feel like AEW puts on the better wrestling show. They're a wrestling match. They always have great wrestling matches. You can't be a fan of wrestling matches and say that AEW has a shitty show. Uh, you just can't. They put on great action-packed wrestling matches. But the thing that they don't do necessarily that's causing them the trouble to get over that hump of the one million is that they're not connecting to people with their stories. They don't really have stories. They try to tell stories. They have some little stories, you know, like Jericho and the Combat Club or whatever are having their little story going on right now. But there's nothing. it's not like the festival of friendship that he did. And so, you know, over in WWE with Kevin Owens, that was a story story. 
that drew people in. So I think Triple H is right when he says that it's the stories that make wrestling what it is, not the gaga, not the gimmicks, not the not the uh, spectacle stuff, you know, the stunts. But I think Logan has a point that he's saying that wrestling could use more of that stuff to draw the casual fan in. You know, because he made the example that him and his friends didn't really watch wrestling much anymore. And since Logan's been involved, it's brought him back in and he's been able to bring his friends into watching wrestling. And now they're all hooked on it. Now they all love wrestling. So wrestling has that ability to suck people in, at least more people than it has now. Not everybody's going to like it. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times, even just here on this YouTube channel, I get people that'll comment like, oh, it's that fake wrestling shit. Like, we're still there. We're still there where the criticism of wrestling is that it's fake. Really? Like, there's so many people out there that still sit back and they think that wrestling fans believe that wrestling is real and watch it because we think we're watching real fights. And these guys are the assholes that are going to break the reality to us. Like, you know, that shit's fake, right? It's all a bunch of fake shit. Come on, man. Come on. Get a clue. Get a clue. Um, so it's a mix of the both. I think you need the bigger stunts and you need the, you need things that will, and it doesn't mean that they got to go edgy. I think, I still think, you know, remember when, uh, news broke that they were going TV 14 and then they kind of pulled back on it. I think that was maybe leaked out because that's something that they planned to do once Vince was out of place. You know, they kind of put the cart before the horse a little bit there. And I do think that they still will transition to TV 14. And I don't think it's going to go back to the attitude era necessarily. I think it's just going to allow them to be a little bit more loose with the kind of stuff that they do. And even, you know, back at SummerSlam with the, the Brock with the pushing the ring up with the tractor and stuff that was a stunt you know that was a gimmick that's going to get people talking and maybe get people to want to watch and see what's going on and then they can get sucked in with the stories and stuff so i do think they're both right to a certain extent it's the stories that are going to hook you and keep you but i think it's it's the stunts and the gimmicks not all the time but here and there that are going to get people to come in and I think Logan Paul is going to help with that because he's a huge, huge star and has a lot of exposure outside of wrestling. Tons. And I think the more that he's out there representing WWE or talking about WWE, that's just going to open it up to more people and get more eyeballs on it. So uh, all around good shit. And I highly recommend going to check out this interview with Triple H too. It's fun to see... You know, you get to see Stephanie and Nick kind of laid back a little bit and chilling. Uh, you know, Vince was never the kind of guy that went to interviews and stuff like that. She seems to be having fun just hanging out, you know, so that's cool. And Triple H just kind of laid back hanging with a bunch of dudes. Because if you ever watched Impulsive with Logan Paul, it's like him and two of his buddies. And they're like, almost, they're almost like frat boys in a way, you know, like... I, hate to generalize them like that but you know they're jocular just dudes you know what i mean and uh they have a very dude mentality and ask very dude questions so uh, it was fun it was a, a unique environment for triple h to be in and and you know he had a lot of good things to say about where he wants to go with the wwe going forward great shit go check it out it will be linked in the description below I hate juggalos. I fucking hate them. I say all this with a grain of salt because for a good part of my own life, I proudly identified as a juggalo. You should come to the gathering with me. Nah, man. I'm, I'm not into all that whoop whoop shit anymore. I'll pay for your ticket. I got fired today. Get the fuck out! Still got room for me? Spike, slow the fuck down! Cops! Fuck your sleep! Fuck your sleep! Fuck your sleep! The savages started closing in with their tiki torches and war paint. Shit! Run! You guys got a dead body here already? Even the aliens were throwing shade. It was pure panic and intense horror. There was a guy I saw got chopped in half. 
I had nothing left to go back to. You alive? Yep. The Gathering. A bold journey into the belly of the Juggalo underworld. So who would win in a fight between Stephanie McMahon and Tony Khan? That's the question that the internet was posed this week. As Eric Bischoff was on NBC Sports Boston. Had Eric Bischoff on this week talking all kinds of wrestling related stuff. And I uh, was in this particular clip. They got to talking about fights. And you know, Eric Bischoff's a real tough guy. Right? This guy asked him about uh, his, you know, his challenging Vince McMahon to a fight. And Eric Bischoff started puffing up his chest and blah, 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 blah. You know, and uh, so he started talking about how he'd kick Vince McMahon's ass. And then he was posed the question who he thinks would win in a fight between Stephanie and Tony Khan. Check out these clips. If that happened, obviously, you're, you know, you would still be talking about it today, being like, man, that time you knocked out Vince McMahon. Like, it would be in everybody's topic of conversation, the top 10 things, the craziest things that's ever happened in wrestling, the two owners fighting. That'd be like, um, I guess now. Uh, like Stephanie McMahon and maybe Tony Khan fighting or Nick Khan. Oh my Nick God. Khan. Stephanie McMahon would kill Tony Khan. Really? Are you? Oh, come on. I'm have just you, curious. What, what, have you, she, have you, you know, stood look. next to Tony Khan? Stronger, so, bigger. And Hey, I've been slapped by Stephanie McMahon yeah. on television, which is supposed to be what they call a working slap. Mm. She don't know how to work. At least not a slap. I mean, that girl could hurt you. She would kill Tony Khan. Kill him. But hey, he's not wrong about Stephanie and Tony Khan. I mean, you got to admit, there's not one person listening to this, you know. It doesn't matter, man, woman, whatever. There ain't anybody that's listening to this that's going to say that Tony Khan, his little scrawny ass, could beat up Stephanie McMahon. Stephanie, everybody says how sweet she is and kind and easy to talk to and get along with and so much nicer than Vince. She still has a lot of that Vince in her. You know, she has a mean streak and she is not somebody you want to get on the bad side of. She is a boss bitch and she will fuck you up. Now, throw a little cocaine into the mix and maybe the scales could get tipped up, you know, in Tony Khan's favor. Who knows? You know, I'm not... Here to say what anybody does in their personal time, that's, you know, to each his own. And I'm not going to recklessly speculate on that. But I am saying that if you were to add a pile of cocaine to the mix, it might spice things up a little bit and we could see a different outcome. You know, the thing, it might be at least a closer fight, right? Um, but yeah, as much as I hate Eric Bischoff and I hate to uh, give him attention for a lot of the stupid shit that comes out of his mouth that's clearly designed to just get attention. Uh, this one was funny, and this one caught my attention. So I wanted to share it with you, uh, the fight, Stephanie McMahon versus Tony Khan. It's such a great visual, and we all know Steph would just whoop his fucking ass. Dave Meltzer, good old Uncle Dave, was on Talk Is Jericho this week. Talking with Jericho about the future of the wrestling business in a post-Vince McMahon era. Check out this clip. They're both going to determine the future of the industry. I mean, you know, when you look at, oh, you know, this they signed this guy or or this guy had a five-star match or whatever, you know, or, or you know, you're just kicking ass and, and you know, your uh, pay-per-views are going way, way up. I mean, that's all great stuff, but the big picture is that television deal yeah. and you know, who buys that. And, and yeah, Tony, you know, Tony's in it for the long haul. And, um, you know, I think people underestimate Tony. I mean, as far as what he's done to build a company, to be this competitive this fast, you know, it's, it's really unreal. I know a lot of people are like, oh, okay, Triple H is in charge. So now all those guys would go back or guys would come back. Like to me, the secret why WWE worked was Vince. Vince is a guy that was a genius amongst all of the geniuses and now he's gone from WWE. now you have triple h you have stephanie you have con but vince is gone so there will be a lot of pros to him being gone if you want to call him that but there's gonna be a lot of cons as well no pun intended 
uh, I, I, it'd be interesting to see in the long run. Yeah, it really is all up in the air, you know. Uh, Tony Khan is a player in this game. He's not a fly-by-night. This isn't a flash in the pan. I think we're going to see Tony Khan last a long, long fucking time in this business. As long as he's able to at least maintain what he's got, he'll always be a viable number two. You know, they got a long road to go before they can top WWE, and they probably never will. Uh, But certainly, I I see them lasting longer than even a WCW did. You know, I really do think that AEW, they get a good TV partner. They're able to maintain a high level of production value and talent on their roster. I think they're going to be able to hang in the fight. And it'll be interesting to see with Triple H and Stephanie McMahon and Nick Khan now in charge of WWE. It's all up in the air for them, too. I don't think that machine, you know, the, the machine's going to keep going. The wheels aren't going to fall off of that me- that machine, but, you know, are they missing some of the genius that, that Vince McMahon had? You know, that's, those are giant shoes to fill. And even though they got three people in the role that Vince would have had, you know, minus the talent relations, but creative and all that shit, um, you, you know... Having those three people fill those shoes might still not be enough because Vince had such a good brain for entertainment. Uh, Even though a lot of his wrestling sucked towards the end and he has had a lot of really stupid ideas in the history of wrestling, um, we can't ever let that overrule all of the brilliant ideas that he's had and all the brilliant stories and characters and just everything we've come to know about Vince McMahon over the years. I worry what's going to happen with Vince now. You know, I really find it interesting. They talked about that a little bit too on the pod here on, on what they think Vince is going to do with his life now that he's retired. You know, a lot of people still think that he's going to be involved just behind the scenes in some capacity. Um, but I, I find it interesting and I would actually like to see like a cartoon or something like that of, of Vince McMahon out trying to exist in the real world. You know, Vince McMahon goes to the grocery store. Vince McMahon goes to the movies. Vince McMahon gets a job working at McDonald's. You know, like all these little, like a bunch of little shorts of Vince McMahon and he's just, God damn it! Uh, with that said, though, that's about all I got to say about this. It's interesting. You know, everybody's speculating on what the future holds for professional wrestling, and it is all up in the air. Um, but I think it's safe to say that we are in certainly in a new era. You know, Tony Khan's AEW's been around for like three years, but that's still fairly new. So you got a brand new company still, and then and then now you got new leadership in WWE. It's safe to say this is a brand new era and we're in very uncharted territory right now. And where we go from here is anybody's guess, but I'm along for the ride, man. It'll be fun to see what's going on, how it all plays out, and I'll certainly be here to cover it. That's it. That's all I got for you this week. Thanks for checking out the show. As always, I love my people that stick around to the very end, watch the whole show. Thank you so much for your uh, time and listening to me rant about this thing that we all love, professional wrestling. Before I let you go, I do want to throw out my obligatory plugs. If you could, please like, follow, and subscribe at Seth Grimes Media on Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. Please actually do that. If you're on any of those platforms, if you don't use them, I'm not saying sign up for it to go follow me. But if you're on Twitter or if you're on TikTok, find me on there and, and hit the little follow button or subscribe or whatever the fuck it asks you to do. It would help me out greatly. Um, you know, I'm starting to put out more shorts and TikToks and that kind of thing. And it is starting to uh, get some new people in. So I very much appreciate that. If you're one of those new people that found me through, you know, shorts on YouTube or a TikTok or real on facebook thank you thank you for coming to check me out i appreciate you you are welcome here um also want to throw out a quick plug for my book the gathering a bold journey into the belly of the juggalo underworld it's on amazon if you want to buy it in paperback a physical copy 
Kindle if you like Kindle on your little e-reader gimmick. Or if you're an audiobook person like myself, it can also be found on Audible. I do have pro wrestling inspired NFTs if you're into crypto and NFTs. These are championship belts, mashing up your favorite championship belts with all of the mainstream crypto brands like the WWE Championship and the Bitcoin Championship as well. I love that one. You can check those out at CryptomaniaNFT.com. And I wanted to throw out a little plug ski for my reactions. I started doing some reaction videos. I'm going to start to make that a bigger part of the channel here. I am going to uh, kind of brand myself and focus on the nerdy content. And don't worry, because wrestling is certainly super fucking nerdy, right? So it's going to remain a huge part. You know, nothing's going to change. And I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and doing more. But I'm going to incorporate some of my other stuff that I love, too, in the nerdy world, such as, like, comic book movies and, you know, horror movies and all that other shit. So a lot of fun stuff coming. Go check out some of those. The wrestling-related reactions I will post into uh, the Pro Wrestling Podcast podcast playlist. So anything wrestling-related that I do at all, regardless of where it falls on my channel, under reviews or whatever the fuck I'm doing, reactions. Uh, if it's wrestling-related, you can find it right in the playlist there as well for the Pro Wrestling Podcast podcast. And with all of that said, thank you for checking me out. And I hope you have a great life. Go fuck yourself. Peace, love, and pizza. I am your boy, Seth Grimes. And this has been the... Pro Wrestling Podcast. Sorry, I was going to burp there and I wanted to make sure I wasn't going to burp while I was saying podcast. I fucking hate them. I say all this with a grain of salt because for a good part of my own life, I proudly identified as a juggalo. You should come to the gathering with me. Nah, man. I'm, I'm not into all that whoop whoop shit anymore. I'll pay for your ticket. I got fired today. Get the fuck out! Still got room for me? Spike, slow the fuck down! Cops! Fuck your sleep! Fuck your sleep! Fuck your sleep! The savages started closing in with their tiki torches and war paint. Shit! Run! You guys got a dead body here already? Even the aliens were throwing shade. It was pure panic and intense horror. There was a guy I saw got chopped in half. I had nothing left to go back to. You alive? <sighs> yep. The Gathering. A bold journey into the belly of the Juggalo underworld.